Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. As I said earlier, we are in a series that has as its theme spiritual mastery. And at the very least, if we can't get to spiritual mastery, let us get to spiritual maturity. And if I were following along perfectly the chapters in the book of Paul Farini's, I'd be talking to you about equality. And I am going to weave that into my message this morning. And so I thought I was going to be talking about spiritual mastery. And in fact, I actually really am. Because as I think about the events that took place this week, as I think about what we all saw with the rioting and the storming of our nation's capital. If this is not a time to, that is demanding of each and every one of us to grow up spiritually, to become more spiritually mature, and to take our spiritual practice out into the real world, I don't know what is. What we witnessed on Wednesday is a result, a result of the very real and very serious problems we have yet to deal with in our country. These are not problems that are brand new. These are problems that have been under the surface for a long time. Some of them getting worse and worse, but the same problems just ignored or covered over. But on Wednesday, they were laid bare for all of us to see. And one of those problems that was laid bare for all of us to see is the issue of racism. It's not the only one. It's not the only issue we're facing. But it is a really, really big one. It is one that touches absolutely everything else in our country. We would have to be in complete denial if we were to believe that had that mob been a mob of predominantly people of color, that the outcome would have been the same. It would not have been the same. And we've been hearing that again and again and again. And thank God we've been hearing it, because we need to hear it. And we need to hear it so we can see it. And we need to see it so we can acknowledge it and be willing to do something about it. The problems that we are facing in our country today are going to require changes that include policy changes, and I don't profess to know what those are, but I know we're going to need to see legislative changes, policy changes in our country, not only to get at the root of racism, but the many other problems that we are facing. But we can't legislate love. You can't legislate changing people's minds and changing people's hearts. And that's the real work that needs to happen. And that doesn't happen from the top down. It happens from the bottom up. It happens from each and every one of us remembering our common humanity, and not in such a way that it is just a lofty idea that we talk about in our own echo chambers, but that it is something that we give voice to, that we step up with and into and we do what we can to make it a lived reality. This is deep, deep spiritual work. And if it isn't that, I don't know what it is. 
We will never be able to do this deep spiritual work if we will not be willing to listen. And not just listen with, with tolerance, but listen with a sincere desire to understand. To listen with a sincere desire to understand. And that is tough. That is where it gets really, really difficult. But just because it's really, really difficult can't be the reason anymore that we don't get in there and do what has to be done. Haven't you seen enough? I've certainly seen enough. I've certainly seen enough. This is deep spiritual work that is not all kumbaya, my Lord, work. It gets messy, and it gets prickly, and it can get nasty. I want to share what happened to me this week when on Wednesday I couldn't tear myself away from what I was seeing on the computer screen. And as I watched that, I felt a whole range of feelings and emotions. And it took me a little while, an hour or two, before I decided to post something. And I posted something on our Unity Center Facebook page with my name on it so it was clear where it was coming from. But then I also posted that very same piece, which I'm going to read to you in a moment, on our Unity Ministers discussion board. This Unity Ministers discussion board is a closed group that is meant to only include ordained unit or licensed Unity Ministers. So we can talk about all kinds of things. How to be there for our people during the pandemic, how to, to do church virtually, how to handle Sunday services, Everything that a minister or ministry might be going through, it's supposed to be a safe place for us to discuss, to talk about things. And it's supposed to be a closed group. So this is what I posted. For the past several hours, I have swung between shock, tears of deep sadness, and absolute rage. If what I have been witnessing today with the rioting and storming of our capital is not blatant evidence of the deep and very real racism that still exists within our country today, I don't know what is. It can't be any clearer. It is time for healing now. And healing takes work. It is not for the faint of heart. Real and lasting healing for our country will only come if we are finally willing to do some very deep work, individually and collectively. We need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission here in the United States. We could learn a lot from South Africa. And so I posted that in the Unity Ministers discussion group. And I don't often post comments there. I will post things that we're doing here at the Unity Center that I'll share with other ministers if it will help them do their jobs better. But I don't usually post something like this. But I felt called to share it because as a minister in unity for 40 years now, I know that the work that I have built and that my voice carries some oomph and some weight. And so I posted that. And I checked a couple of times throughout the day, not a whole lot, but within a few hours, there were over 60 comments on that post. And I was surprised, and there was quite a bit of discussion going back and forth, and some of it was getting pretty, pretty dicey. 
And then the very next morning, Thursday morning, a friend and ministerial colleague of mine reached out to me and said, Wendy, did you notice that they took down your post? And I was really curious about that. And at first, I was going to let it go. Like, why did they take my post down? I don't think there was anything bad about my post. And besides that, there were several other posts, much, much longer than mine, that by other unity ministers that were very specifically calling out certain individuals by name and, and, and um, a much stronger tone, I think, than mine had. But those posts had not gotten commented on like mine had. So I was going to let it go, and then I decided, no, I'm not. I'm really curious. Why are these remaining, and why was mine taken down? So I posted again, not that post, because I didn't want to be um, disrespectful, but I posted a question, why is mine down and these others are up? And what was even more interesting is my question about why mine had been taken down within hours had over 130 comments in response to it shouldn't have been taken down and why was it taken down? And we finally found that it was taken down because the conversation had gotten kind of dicey. There was, or I guess is, an individual in our unity ministers group who's not a unity minister. And that individual started name-calling and pointing fingers and citing all, commenting on all sorts of conspiracy theories. And one of our unity ministers asked, would you please cite your, your references for that? And that was the reason the original post was taken down, because there was this kind of back and forth going. But in response to my question about why it was taken down, there was a beautiful, of those 130 comments, I want to share just four of them with you, because they talked to me about the evolutionary edge of our movement and our teaching, where we are realizing that practical Christianity, practical spirituality, means we are engaged in whatever the nitty-gritty of life is. That these are not political issues, these are human issues. When people are dying and suffering or, or being marginalized or not heard, these are human issues. And we need to, to stay engaged and try to understand what's at the root of them, not walk away in our metaphysical bubbles. Here are some of the comments from one minister. I found that in unity, we are often avoidant of difficult conversations. Too often, we go to love without unpacking the issue at hand. Yeah, it's easy. Just let me, let me sit in my meditation and just be loving, but never really get at the nitty-gritty of what's going on and never really get out there and doing something about it. Here's another. There is nothing political in this unless you consider human rights political. Thank you, Wendy, for stating the truth and calling for action. Unity and other spiritual belief systems must come out from under their umbrella of hiding from the reality of what is happening in our world. I believe one of the greatest of Jesus' teachings was how to be in this world, but not of it. He was in it. He did the work where the work was needed, but he also did it from a spiritual understanding the understanding, as we talked about last week, that we really are one, and we'd better start acting that like we believe that. Here's another. If one of us is shackled, none of us are free. Censoring the speaking of the chains that bind us will never remove the locks and will never help us find and insert the keys required to set us all free. 
If these posts caused you chemicalization, I encourage deep prayer and self-introspection as to why, what is being threatened in you. We must do better as a movement. We must be willing to ask ourselves the hard questions. We are the ones we have been waiting for, saddened by what I saw at the Capitol and also saddened by what I am seeing here. This is a fellow unity minister writing to me and all of the rest of us. And I would say that, that in truth, we in unity spiritual communities are all unity leaders of sorts. You may be the only face of unity that, that somebody ever gets to meet. They may never walk into a unity church. They may never come here or into another unity or center for spiritual living church. So they may never hear directly from a minister this kind of message. You may be the one that they hear it from. You have a voice. You have people that you can influence. And we need to be willing to do that. When this minister writes, if these posts cause you chemicalization, I encourage deep prayer and self-respection as to why. Chemicalization is a, um, an old term used by um, Emily Cady in her book, Lessons in Truth, when she wrote about what happens to us when an old rigid idea, when we have a new idea rather coming into consciousness that is disrupting that old rigid idea, that limited belief, there is this experience of bubbling up and this unsettled feeling that's kind of like a chemical reaction. And this minister is reminding the rest of us steeped in unity to look at that. If we are getting disturbed by just having a conversation and admitting that there are problems, then that in itself is a problem. And we need to be willing to look inside ourselves and ask, what's going on inside of me? And this last, I wholeheartedly support the comments made by Wendy and others. I believe with every fiber of my being that it is up to those of us who have devoted our lives to ministering the inclusive message of unity to do everything in our power to transform the dualistic mindset, which prevents us from realizing that politics is an aspect of life, which is governed by spiritual principles. Denying this reality only serves to exacerbate the old paradigm idea that there are two realities, either spiritual or non-spiritual. It is my belief that for the unity movement to truly be an agent for positive change, our words and actions need to reflect our ability to face our greatest challenges together, embrace them through prayer and difficult conversation, and transform them through respectful and nonviolent action. Our social issues need to be lifted up spiritually. Let me say that again. Our social issues need to be lifted up spiritually. Whether it is the issue of the widening gap between the rich and the poor, whether it is the issue of climate change, whether it is the issue of marginalization of whole groups of people, whether it is the issue of racism in our country, these issues need to be lifted up spiritually. This is spiritual work. These are not political issues. They are human issues. 
It's a human issue. Why are so many people angry? Why do we see such hatred, such violence, such anger in this act of domestic terrorism? Why? There's something beneath that. And until we can get there and understand that, we're not going to shift the minds and hearts of those in that mindset. Why are so many being radicalized today? Why do they not have a sense of belonging, not a sense of hope, not a sense of fairness, not a sense of, of, of family, not a sense of self-worth? Those are human issues. But we're seeing what happens when human issues are long denied or ignored by those who can remain in their protective little bubbles so we don't have to do anything about it because we don't see it or we don't want to see it. But eventually, when it's not dealt with, it rises the way we saw on Wednesday. Why are so many believing in such ridiculous lies? We have to call a spade a spade. Why are so many believing in these ludicrous conspiracy theories? Why? I don't have the answers, but I know you can't get the answers if you're not asking the right questions. In the book, in his chapter on equality, Paul Farini writes this, and it's very fitting for what I'm talking about with you now. The commitment to equality is the basis for spiritually informed social action in the world. Equal rights is and has always been the number one cause for all men and women of conscience throughout human history. The doctrine of equality, the great spiritual teaching of the planet, is found in the Declaration of Independence and in the Bill of Rights. These are not just political documents, they are sacred texts because they embody the highest truths. A person who attempts to live the law of equality is constantly asked to stretch and go beyond his or her comfort zone. He is frequently asked to let go of biases and embrace a wider and more generous perspective about other people. She is asked to walk in the moccasins of her opponent and to understand the perspective of those with whom she disagrees. To be committed to human rights, the demonstration on planet Earth of the spiritual principle of equality, one cannot have a narrow mind or a closed heart. The spiritual path of those who are committed to equality presents them with ever-changing opportunities to give up false and limited ideas and embrace a deeper and more inclusive truth. As I spent most of yesterday rethinking, and I waited until yesterday, not knowing what might transpire between Wednesday and yesterday, spent the day reworking or rewriting my message to you. I found myself wondering, well, I know people are asking themselves, well, what can I do? And again, I don't profess to have all of the answers, but I do have some suggestions, and I want to leave you with four ideas. The first is this. Begin honestly with where you are, with whatever you're feeling right now and still feeling from Wednesday. Begin honestly with where you are. On Thursday, I believe it was, yes, on Thursday, 
I posted something on Facebook saying, I am willing to make myself available to just hold a conversation, a Zoom call with anyone who feels like they just want to vent or have a safe place to be together. And I put that out to our spiritual community and a handful of people responded. And so I spent about an hour and a half on Thursday evening with members of our spiritual community, some in San Diego, some in Chicago, some in Northern California, some in Australia. And we talked and we had some time together. And one of the individuals by the name of Shar, who was on that call, said, you know, I remember you talked during Advent about love and you gave us kind of that ladder of, well, if you can't love, then do these things. And the ladder I gave in that talk was this, love. When you can't, then show compassion. If even if that is too hard, try to understand. And if you can't do that, then just listen. And that's what Shar was referring to. But she said, but Wendy, what's lower than listening? I can't even get to listening. I can't get to listening to the other side. And man, I can understand that. And most of us on the call could understand that as well. And she stumped me for a moment. And I tried to think, well, is there anything I can suggest? And yes, there is. It reminded me of when I've had to do some very difficult and deep personal healing work in my life and in my family, some forgiving work. And in the beginning of some of that forgiving work, I was being completely honest with myself. I didn't want to forgive. And so my prayer in the beginning was, Spirit, God, help me get to the place where I want to want to forgive. And so I shared that with Shar in the group. I said, if we can't listen, then maybe we can spend some time in our prayer time asking for support to move to the place of wanting to be able to listen. So the first is beginning honestly with where you are. The second, and I'm going to call it the way I see it, and if it offends you, I'm sorry. Get out of your white bubble. If you look like me and you're in a white body, be willing to get out of your white bubble. One of my dearest friends, her name is Christine, has been involved in the Unity Center for a very long time and has been very involved in the White Allies work that we've done here and is now the secretary of our board for our Anti-Racism Institute. Christine posted this on her Facebook page a while ago, a week or so ago, and I asked her permission if I could share it because it is such a beautiful demonstration of an individual who's been committed to this work, this work of getting out of her white bubble, of becoming more racially aware and racially literate. And even with all the work she's done, and believe me, I can testify to the work that she has done, she wrote this. I've been learning so much the past four years about racism and our white dominant culture. I have to confess, and this is painful to admit, that until recently, as a white person, when browsing online for a movie or a show to watch, I would usually swipe pretty quickly past the ones featuring mostly black actors, thinking I wouldn't really relate to the storylines. I'm ashamed that I wouldn't even give them a few minutes viewing to see if that was really true. What I know now is any good story is relevant for any viewer. I'm currently in the second season of Queen Sugar, Thoroughly enjoying binging. It doesn't hurt that it's directed by Ava DuVernay, 
who directed Selma 13th and When They See Us, and executive produced by Oprah. Set in current day Louisiana, it's a family business drama with some light moments, plot twists, twists, conflict and forgiveness, racial justice elements, and tons of human emotion. From now on, I'll be seeking black-oriented shows that will help me continue to struggle out of my white bubble. What courage and vulnerability and awareness to be able to recognize that in oneself, and then the courage to put it out there and admit it. This is how we begin to change ourselves from the inside out, and how our willingness to, to model this is permission giving and inspiring to others to maybe take a look inside and say, wow, I never even thought of that. I think of my black friends, how many, many times all they had to watch were shows produced by and acted by people that look like us, right? They didn't have any choice. Third, developing our skills to talk in a way that others will listen and to listen in a way that others will want to talk. We can do this. You and I can choose to become better at learning how to talk in a way that others will listen and to listen in a way that others will talk. The evolution of the anti-racism, racial equity work that we have been doing at the Unity Center that is now become a, is becoming a new nonprofit began because I listened to our black members. I said, I'm hurting after Charlottesville. There's got to be something that we can do as a spiritual community and teaching to make this at least a little bit better. Will you come and talk to me and, and help, me, help me understand? Man, I didn't know how much I didn't know until I sat and listened. And listened, I guess, in such a way that I heard a lot and I learned even more. If you want a great tool for, for how to develop better skill in both listening and talking around hot topics, whether we're talking about racism or politics in your family, I want to point you to an expert that we used in our work. His name is Dr. David Camp. Some of you were here when we brought him in to do some racial training work with us. He has something he calls the race method. And RACE stands for a way of speaking. It's an acronym. Reflect, ask, connect, and expand. I don't have the time, and it wouldn't be right for me to try to teach that method to you. It's his method. But Google him. Support his work. And learn. You have the time. You can make the time, and so can I. So developing our skills to talk in a way that others will listen and to listen in a way that others will talk. And the last getting more comfortable being uncomfortable so you can stay engaged. Let me say that again. Getting more comfortable being uncomfortable so we can stay engaged. This is not easy work. It is not comfortable work. It is difficult. It is uncomfortable. But it's necessary. In closing, but we witnessed together on Wednesday, whatever lens we view it through, whatever political lens we view it through, or whatever other lens we view it through, 
has got to convince us that we have some very deep work to do that we've been putting off, and we'd better get to work doing it. I leave you with words from Van Jones. Something beautiful is trying to happen. I believe that with all my heart and soul. Namaste.